test. One, two, three, cool, I can hear everything. That's fucking perfect, picking up it all. all right. Three, two, one, welcome to Behind the Curtain with me, Jonah, and my friend Russell. Today we are in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, Russell is an officer in the military, yep. in the army. How long have you been an officer for? So I commissioned uh, from officer candidate school in Fort Benning, Georgia uh, in July 2017. So it's going to... Right over uh, two and a half years. How do you like being an officer? Um, I like it. Uh, there's a lot of good opportunities that come with joining the Army and either enlisting or being an officer. Um, definitely, uh, there's a lot of uh, management skills that you have to learn being an officer uh, that kind of help translate more to the civilian world than some of the skills, um, especially that you start off at like in lower enlisted and stuff like that. But um, definitely, uh, I've met a lot of cool people, traveled a little bit, um, met some great friends, had some great um, memories made, so I wouldn't change anything. My experience in the military, I did four, <coughs> almost four years in the Navy. I did like three and a half, and then I early outed because it was so overmanned. I found the Navy, at least I was on blue side, which is in the Navy, there, with the corpsman in the, in the Navy, there's blue side and green side. Yeah. And blue side is like you deal with the clinics, the hospitals and shit. The green side is you go with the Marines. From what I heard, the green side is like the more the military. The blue side for me was like a daycare center because I was taking care of little kids the whole time because I was 23 when I joined. So yeah. everybody else was like 18, 19. You probably yeah. have the same idea now. Yeah. So, so what do you think about that? So I kind of had the same thing. Um, <coughs> I branched infantry out of OCS, so I went to Ibullock. And granted... Uh, the younger kids that were at iBullock were still... What is iBullock? So that's Infantry Basic Officer Leadership Course. Okay. So whenever you branch, or whenever you branch out of your OCS, ROTC, whether it's from the uh, Academy's West Point, you'll get to choose a branch. And so I branched Infantry, that's my choice. Um, but then you go to your, your Basic Officer Leadership Course. So that's iBullock for me. Uh, so a lot of the people that I went to iBullock with were fresh out of college, didn't have much uh, real world experience, 22, 21, 23. How old were you when you got into the, out, out of everything and then into the real military? When I got done, like all yeah, the trade yeah. stuff. So I was 26 when I joined. Oh, okay. So I was two, 27 okay. when I got done. Okay, okay. Everything. Yeah, so you were like, you're an adult at this point. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny, like, Right now, uh, my company commander, I'm a year older than. Mm. So, and it was the same way in my other company that I was at before I... Yo, hit Nas real quick so you're not making all that noise. Nas. Yeah, he keeps getting Nas. Yeah, whatever. Fuck him. <laughs> but yeah, so, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, here, I'm just gonna... Is that that far? I don't know where it is. Yeah. Nas, brother. Chill out, man. Whatever, fucking. Yeah, so, uh, like I was saying, um, you know, a lot of the kids were relatively young, uh, you know, still getting their real world experience. Uh, I was also married at the time. I just got married to my wife Megan, so I was kind of on a, uh, in a different situation than a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. the other dudes that yeah, were yeah, yeah. in my class. 
did you find did you find this the difference in ages was was super apparent like how everyone acted uh to a certain degree so obviously there's outliers to everything yeah um from what i felt uh and what i saw most of the dudes were relatively you know they knew what they were signing up to do Mm -hmm. so that was their main priority Mm -hmm. obviously you had some dudes that being close to Atlanta, went out to Atlanta every weekend, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that was their main focus mm-hmm. on what they were doing there. Then, you know, you had dudes that were married, had kids, had family. And uh, so there, there's a wide spectrum of, uh, of people there, which I think is good also because it brought, uh, we were playing some platoons, you know, for training. How big is a platoon? Uh, it's 30, 30 or so people. Okay. So we had our, you know, our group of 30 people that, you know, we went through this training with. And having all those different, you know, experiences, you know, different age groups, different family situations, where they came from, where they grew up, you know, all helped, you know, and I think brought different things uh, and different perspectives to the platoon, which it's the same thing in the real army. I mean, obviously, with your experience, you have people from all over the world, which is what's great about the military is no one's worried about, you know, where you're from, you know, what the color of your skin is, whether male, female, whatever they just want you to do your job, so you know. And that's what like, I, I was talking, I was texting this person who I'm friends with today, and I sent her a joke, like a meme, yeah. and it was it was kind of dark. And she's like, "Hey, your your humor is very very dark." And I was like, "Well, I think it stems from playing sports my whole life, and then yeah. being in the military, because in the military you build camaraderieship, camarad camarad yeah camaraderie. Com- you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's by just making fun of each other yeah. the whole time. And if you're not making fun of somebody, it means you usually don't like them. Yeah. And so, I forgot where I was going with that. But like... Uh, it helps build like the, the team atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, there's a different level. I mean, for those of you know us that played sports growing up, uh, you know, at some point the dream ends for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, for most and of us. That's one thing that brought me towards the military was being part of that team and being, you know, part of that family. And that's, you know, what we had at all levels. Every school I went to, you know, our platoon, our, our squads, whatever, we're all so close-knit just based off, you know, when you're out there sleeping in the rain and it's cold and everyone's hungry and everyone's sucking and you've been walking forever, you know, it, it, builds, that, it builds that tightness that it's hard to find in any other places. Uh... I was I just gonna ask you? I don't even remember now. I had a question that I was just about to ask you, but now I don't remember what we were talking about. Closeness built between yeah. like tough experiences, the going through the shit together. Yes. Yeah, and like, and like the color of because ah, so I tried to get back into the military okay. maybe a year and a half ago. And they wouldn't let me in because I'd gotten out early and I have like a disability rating. Yeah. And once you get that disability rating, they're not going to let you back in almost no matter what. Yeah. And But the thing I missed the most, like I didn't miss the, bureauc- the bureaucracy. No. I didn't miss the bullshit. But I missed that close-knit family. And I'm sure people who have like gone overseas and have done real bullshit in the military can attest to that. Yeah. That it's just, there's nothing else than like being in the military. When you get back in the civilian world yeah. and you go to work, it's like... I don't really give a fuck about these people, man. Like, they're yeah. not my brothers and sisters. Like, they are in the military. Well, and I think that's one thing that, like I was saying, like, a lot of people, like, miss out on in the civilian world. is like, when you're working a nine-to-five, like, 
you you might have some tough times at work, but it's not the times that like you even if you haven't deployed, like even going through basic training, you know, you even going through your AIT, the the stuff that you're going through, you're all learning it together. You're around each other all the time. You're sleeping in the same spots. You're you're doing everything with these people. Mm-hmm. Like you see them more than you see your family. You see them more than you saw any of your best friends. You know your roommates that you lived with. You know like when we were living together at on Delord Street. You know like we saw each other all the time. But these people that I was in the army with and that I was going through these schools with, and you know, then when I got stationed here in Fort Campbell, that you know. When the the platoon I was the platoon leader for like we were always always together mm-hmm. like all the time and you you can't get that in the civilian world no and I I think my military friends now my friends before the military are great like and I, I consider them a lot of them my best friends but I still consider my military friends maybe my best friends because we've gone through the bullshit together yeah. and they and I and I had this group chat with a couple of people and we always make a point where because. We don't agree on a lot of shit, yeah. but we all feel okay saying yeah. these things because it is a kind of a safe space yeah. in between military members. Well, and I think another thing too is like the things that, you know, you talk about, like the things that you discuss amongst each other, like the people that like, I have dudes that I was in the army with uh, that like we don't even talk really right now, but like if I saw them, it'd be like, we never, exactly, exactly. we never were away. And like, I think that that closeness stems just from, like, the discussions that you have, you know, the ups and the lows. Like, you're always just talking to them. I mean, mm-hmm. you're always working with them. It's not like there's a whole lot else that, I mean, you have, especially in, like, those training environments. So I think the relationship that you have with those people is something that generally lasts for a really long time, even mm-hmm. if you aren't in constant contact with them. I think it lasts forever. I think the military... That's the best thing about it is the camaraderie ship. It's yeah. the only thing that I think that is good about it. I mean, it has other things that are great, like the GI Bill and everything, yeah. but the friends that I made are going to be yeah. friends for life. I was in one of them. <coughs> I was in a wedding from one of my... Yeah. And when, we only know each, when I was in the wedding, we'd only known each other for two years. Yeah. Like, I've only been in one other wedding, and that was with one person who I know my whole life. Yeah. And I've been friends with a lot of people my whole life. Yeah. But the military <laughs> dude, like, we were yeah. friends, we clicked, and it was like, we're friends for life. And it's yeah. simple as that. So, and that's I mean, one thing, like, I'm getting out pretty soon. Yeah, I was going to ask um, you next. How, so how many days or how many months do you get out? Well, just one thing before I was going to say that is one thing, like, people ask me, like, especially the people I work with, like, I'm going to miss the Army or whatever. And I tell them, I'm not going to miss the Army, but I'm going to miss the people. 100%. And, and yeah. I think that that's one thing to go off your point before we switch is that, you know, you're just, like, like we discussed, you're just going to have those relationships forever. But forever. Uh, today is the 27th of October. So I have just under three months left, under 90 days. Are you excited? Uh, I'm excited, yeah. So uh, I'm excited to get out of the military, you know, the bureaucracy. The, there's, a, you know, a lot of stuff that you do in the Army or the military that kind of seems redundant or <laughs> pointless. Stupid, dude. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. So Maybe stupid. stupid's the right word that you do and you're like, you know, but again, I think that helps build the closeness. For sure, but, yeah. But definitely, I'm, I'm not gonna miss that. Um, but I'm definitely ready for a new adventure and new things to, to be up on the horizon, and and we'll see where it all goes. But I'm definitely excited. Do you think all? I mean, you don't know yet, but in ninety days or whatever, are you gonna look back on the military with fond memories? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like without a doubt. Yeah. Um. There's. 
so many cool things that I got the opportunity to do because of the army that uh, a lot of people never get the chance to do. Ever. And um, I, the first thing I would say is, you know, being from a small town that we're from, you know, a lot of people don't get the opportunity to leave due to multitude of different reasons. But the army forces or the military forces you to step out of that comfort zone of being somewhere you've known, you know, everyone your whole life. And I got on a plane with four dudes that I'd never met before. And we went down to basic training together. And then that was, you know, from there, it was just meeting new people constantly. The whole and, time. And, from every walk of life. Yeah. And it was all different experiences. Uh, uh, you got to do cool things. Got to throw grenades. Got to shoot grenades. Got to shoot machine guns. You know, got to drive Humvees. Got to drive all types of military vehicles. Like That's, see, in the Navy, I never got, to, I think I, I never went to the range. And so I got to shoot a pistol and a shotgun in basic training. And that was my extent of shooting. Yeah, but you've also done, on the other side, you've done a lot of cool things like being a medic. That yeah, but... A lot of people, like, dude, you, there's plenty of things that you know how to do that... Facts. Like, what were you telling me the other day? Well, like, like that kind of stuff, and like and doing the IV stuff I know how to do, and... What's the thing with the pen? Yeah, and learn how to do tracheotomy. I'm being shown how to do a tracheotomy and shit. Like, that's bad. With a pen. But yeah. I don't know how to... I mean, I've never actually done it, so it's like, I can tell you I know how to do it. Yeah, but, but okay, someone know, needed like, that to be yeah, done. Yeah, but I might kill them. <laughs> I legit right. might kill them. <laughs> right, well. But I'm real comfortable doing IVs and taking toenails off. Like, I can do that. Yeah. I can fuck with that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you got shown to do those really yeah. cool things. Like, yeah. For instance, like same thing. Uh, there's a lot of cool things like medi- uh, medically that like I could never do again, but I got trained on how to do it. And like, even like, the fact that, like, yeah, I'm not going to go out to a car accident and, like, yeah. do some of the stuff that they taught us how to do because yeah, yeah, yeah. I would kill someone a 100%. But it's nice, like, knowing, like, when you ask me, like, what's naproxen? And it's, like, nice yeah. at least having that background to know, yeah. like, oh, this is what naproxen is. This is what it will do for you. Yeah, like, I had so no idea, cool. dude. Yeah. Like, I showed up to the, the clinic, and that's what they gave me. I didn't know. Yeah. No idea what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have Googled it, but, you know, I have, asked, a, yeah. I have an expert to say an expert. So. <laughs> no, 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 no expert. <laughs> cool. And it's, it's funny to say that because, like, I was a corpsman, but then I served with, like, real corpsmen. Like, dudes who actually knew their shit. And I was self-admittedly a huge shitbag in, in the military. And it, it was, we talked about this last night, that I was, when I first got to where I was stationed, I was hella motivated, like, <coughs> just clean everything, yeah. yes this, knows that, like... Just fucking balls to the wall trying to get promoted. And then I didn't get a good eval. And in the Navy, that's what you need yeah. to get promoted. And I was like, oh, fuck this, dude. Like, this is, it was such a bureaucracy, such a political thing yeah. that you, and I'm sure the Army is the same way. You have to play the game to make rank. Yeah. And so, like, so I put in my uh, refry, which is resignation from active duty. Okay. So that's what I, as an officer, that's what I had to do to say that I'm getting out. I'd serve my obligation time. So then once, in a, like, as an officer, we don't have contracts like how the enlisted does. Oh, so, really? Like, my contract ended, and I just kept showing up to work. Really? Yeah. So, I... Uh, Wait, when did your contract end? In July. No shit. Yeah. So, basically, until I put in that refrad, I'm just still going. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, so, you can just, like, for, like, you can just show up for 10 years and still get paid by the military? Well, yeah. I mean, so, like, there's certain things where, like, when you PCS mm-hmm. and switch uh, the duty yeah, stations, yeah, yeah. it adds a year of obligated okay. service time. When you go to, like, captain's career course... That's another year of obligated service time. 
But like until you do any of those things, yeah, you're just hanging out. You're just continuing no that shit. grind. No shit. I had no idea. So, um, so when I did my uh, refrag packet, I had to meet with uh, the battalion commander, uh, and I had to meet with the brigade commander. And that's one thing the brigade they do that so that you know these these leadership positions can talk to you and see why you're getting out. Um, and so one thing that they talked to me about, or excuse me, I talked to them about was um, kind of what you talked about with you know, the promotions and how they do that, where it's just kind of generally everyone in your sort of year group and your time frame is kind of generally going to get promoted until there's finally you get to a rank where there's a big enough cutoff that people start getting dropped. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's not how it should be and that's not how it is in the civilian world. No. Like, if you have people that are busting their ass more, excuse me, then, you know, these other people, they should get promoted quicker. Also, I think based off your like I was telling you before, like what your position is, mm-hmm. it like I think that should dictate how much you're getting paid. Because there's yeah. certain people that are, you know, for instance, in my position, uh, there's certain first lieutenants that are at different positions of responsibility that I'll get paid the same, but your workload is going to be completely different. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we had to discuss before, you know. Um, if you're good at your job and you're motivated, that doesn't mean you get promoted quicker. That just means you get, you just hard, get more work. You get harder jobs <laughs> yeah. and you get more work. So, And everyone who's in the military who will listen to this will be like, that's exactly what happens. Like, yeah. If you're a good worker, they're like, here's more work, man. And then you yeah. said, like, the shit bags, they're like, oh, no, no, we're not going to give them any work because yeah. that won't get done correctly. And that's one thing that I tried to do as a platoon leader because I recognized that kind of early on in my time in the real army, that that's how it it happens. So there's like dudes that were like our uh, our junior enlisted, so E three, Z fours, and like our good dudes. I made it a point that I was trying not to just, for lack of a better term, like fuck them down mm-hmm. and give them more and more work just because they were good. Like I would try and get those people that weren't performing at their level, and instead of maybe sending one person to do that job, I'd send two of them to do that mm-hmm. job because I'm not just going because then that dude that's motivated and working hard, he's going to see that he's just constantly just mm-hmm. getting you know the shitty end of the straw every single time. So then he's going to be less likely to continue that career path in the army. And he's going to be like, why would I do this when I can go to the civilian world and be motivated based off my work ethic? And make way more money. And then, you know, those dudes that get out and then the dudes that are average or, you know, shitbag the whole time just keep getting promoted. promoted the whole way up. The whole way up the fucking command of ch- chain of command. The whole way. And, and everyone that serves knows what goes on. But the civilians look, the civilians look from the outside in, and they just think that it's the same way as the civilian yeah. world. And it's like, no, no, no. If you're like a real motivated worker, it's like you get the short end of the stick the entire time yep. you serve. Yep. And yeah, and that's one thing. Like I said, like it just like it rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I wasn't a big fan of how that system worked, and I tried to make it a point as when when I was in a position of leadership to not do that to those good individuals. Good. Because okay. that's far few and far between that you have good leadership like that. Well mm-hmm. and the other reason that, that happens is because your the people that are your subordinates build your evaluation. Yeah. Oh oh really? Basically So the because, people underneath you. Yeah, because think about it. if the if I have good people by my best soldiers doing all my good stuff and everything <laughs> is squared away working the, you know, all my stuff is fully mission capable, all ready to go. And it's because I have all my good dudes just doing it all the time. That makes me look good because mm. I can tell my commander, hey, listen, sir, all my trucks are up. We're all good to go. Everything's fully mission capable. All my guns are good. Like, 
like everything's taken yeah. care of. And then, but then if you're just, that's because you're only tasking those good dudes to go do that stuff. So everyone else is just hanging out on their phones. And then like, I look good, but they're just doing all the work. You know yeah, yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's yeah. just how it is. So. And then all of a sudden your subordinates hate you real quick. Yep. Or like I said, the good dudes get out. And yeah. then you're like, all right. Yeah. And everyone's like, why are you guys getting out? <laughs> because this job, when it comes down to it, yeah. is shit. And it, I mean, I think most of us have served because we wanted to serve. I mean, I, I joined for other reasons like the GI Bill and shit. Yeah. But I mean, I served first and foremost because I wanted to serve my country. Yeah. And, and then you get in and you learn what the military is like and you learn who gets rewarded. And like a very bitter taste can get in your mouth very quickly. Yeah, and I don't want this to sound like we're just bashing the no, military dude, because there's I all love the military. There's, I am there's, so happy yeah, I joined. There's very there's very good opportunities that have came and yeah. been offered to to me. I'm sure to yourself. Uh, dude, it set me up for the rest of my life, it, and it yeah. really did. It put me yeah. through school. It helps me out now. It's, it's a great resume builder. Yeah. I mean, you and what you learn in the military, like you, we've talked. Where you learn how to deal with people from different walks of life, and yeah. you put that a military member on your resume, people are like, "Oh, you know how to think critically. You know yeah. how to deal with different people. You know how to handle stress. Yep. All things that are invaluable. Make decisions. Yeah, yeah, I'll touch invaluable. that. Invaluable. But on the flip side, there's a whole lot of bullshit. Yeah. But like any other thing in the world, yeah. like you're gonna there, get what you get. Yeah. There's always bullshit, no matter where you go yeah. and what you do. So. Do you do you think? So I'm a big proponent of mandatory military service. If when you get out of high school, you don't have a plan. I think you should do have to do one year. If if you're not going directly to like a trade school or into college, you should have to do one year of military service. What do you think? So I have two different opinions on okay. this. Yeah. I have two different ways that we could go about it. One, I think, well, so I know I think the military is it might if we downsize the military, I think and push the standards up, mm-hmm. I think the military would be more efficient. For sure. For so sure. For sure. I look at it and I say. Well, what if we raise the minimum age to join the military to 21? Okay. Right? Because then all the people that are going to be in the military are going to be that much more mature. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that much more life experience. When they get there, they're going to probably be a little bit further in life and want to succeed to help set up, you know, whether it's their family or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then the other side I look at, it, there's a lot of people that join the military at 18 because they don't have an option. They, yeah. they have a shitty uh, home life. They, you know... Their family, you know, isn't able to support them in the way other families can. Yeah. Um, maybe they already have kids, you know, and they already have a family. So, I part of me says, hey, you know, if we did raise it twenty one, maybe and raise the standards, then you know, the military would be more efficient. But I think the military also is meant to help people grow, learn, and mature. So if you take away that those eighteen to twenty one year olds then I think that that does a disservice to the United States. Because, like, <clears throat> we had dudes that joined the Army that didn't know how to access their bank account. They didn't yeah. know how to pay bills. Yeah. They didn't... One of my dudes didn't even have a driver's license. Like, he had nothing because his parents just never either were able or capable of teaching him how to be an adult. Fact. So yeah. what we did was we taught... Was he the best soldier? Hell no. He wasn't a good soldier at all. But we made him a better... So a, a, a better human being yeah, 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 yeah. because of, you know, because of what we were able to, you know, do for him yeah. and set him up. So I think, I think at the end of the day, if I was going to choose one of them, I would choose, uh, keep it how it is because I, I think that the service that does to the country and to the individuals that come through that need that help outweighs 
Like you're always gonna have good soldiers. We have Ranger Bat, we have SF yeah. dudes, we have you know, we have all types of people that can take care of what needs to be taken care of. Above and beyond all yeah. the time, yeah. So I think having the ability to teach those individuals how to be adults and how to contribute to society, I think, is more important than having you know, you know, some platoon at uh, you know my battalion that's you know just all twenty one and older and like uh, just a bunch and, yeah. of you know because I mean you're gonna. Yeah. Hopefully, eventually, yeah. even with the biggest shitbag in the world, yeah. they're going to be able to at least follow orders somewhat and, yeah. and stay in ranks and do what they need to do and then go home at the end of the day. Yep. And, and I, I think you're right because, especially in the Army, because it seems that the Army takes a lot more people yeah. uh, just because of the, the, the Army is just sheer numbers at this point. And that's what, that's what they rely on. Yeah. And you look at it like, I know when I was serving, so I served at a training command. Um, and it was like, and they had, <coughs> I was at NAS Hospital, uh, yeah. North Pensacola Hospital, but or NHP, but we also were connected to CID Corey, which was it's, which is the whole intelligence base for all of the military, okay. Army, Air Force, uh, Marines, and uh, the Navy. And so we would have a lot of kids come in, and in the Army, a lot of the kids are from lower income families, yeah. from the ghetto, and this is like that's the only way out they have, and it's yeah. And it's good for them to realize, like, oh, I can use this as a tool to advance my life down the road. And so, yeah, yeah. if you, so from 18 to 21, if you don't have them in, well, you're losing, yeah. I think, a lot of dudes. Through the and class. I think even the dudes that are the biggest shitbags that, you know, get chaptered out of the army or kicked out of the army or whatever term you want to use, um, I think even that, somewhere down the road, is a lesson that they, some at some point, hopefully, yeah, retain or bring back. And then they realize, you know, what they needed to do because of an experience that failed. And hopefully that makes them, uh, you know, a better contributor to society. Hopefully. Hopefully. I know I, I'm sure you've served with some people who it, it will not. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's people that are in the For civilian sure. yeah. world that are never going to contribute yeah, anyway. At all, so. at all. And at least those dudes did a couple of years yeah. in the military and served some time. Yeah. I don't know. What are your... What are you... What are your thoughts about going back into the civilian life? Like, are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I <coughs> uh, having a set schedule, you know, yeah. nine to five thirty or whatever, you know, Monday through Friday. Not having to go away to training rotations for forty days or you know schools for ninety days or months, you know, at a mm -hmm. time, and just being able to kind of uh, predict with a better, with more accuracy, what my future holds, mm -hmm. right? Because at a certain point, like, yeah, I can predict, in the Army, I can predict six months out. I could probably even predict a year out. But I can't predict two years out. Mm -hmm. I can't predict three years out. Yeah, and all those things, like, you can, no matter what, you're not going to be at that duty station. Yeah, you're how, long are you, how long are your, like, each duty station service? For the Navy, I think it's, it's like, it's like three years, four years, five years. It's not very so, long. Like the Air yeah. Force is 10 years sometimes. Yeah, so it all depends. I mean, so there's one dude in my battalion that's been there his whole career. He's been in the Army six or seven years. Oh. There's another dude, uh, one of my good buddies. Uh, he was in no slack battalion for uh, six years, got out, hit the recruiting trail, got off the recruiting trail, came back to no slack. You know, so. What is no slack? That's uh, my battalion. So it's 2327 uh, Infantry. First uh, Brigade Combat Team, 101st Airborne. So it's just uh, kind of like our motto is no slack. Okay, okay. Which uh, we definitely try and live it here in our battalion. Oh, yeah. We uh, We go, go, go. Okay. Yeah. And you, 
you trained with, did, so you went to ranger school. Yes. What was that like? So ranger school was, I think, so it's built as the Army's premier leadership and probably one of the world premier leadership yeah. schools. Uh, to me, um, what it allowed me to do, not necessarily become a better leader, um, well, I guess indirectly it did, but it taught me more about myself than anything else. So it taught you, you know, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're cold, when you're wet, and you have to walk, you know, six, seven, eight clicks with 100 pounds on your back. How long is a click? It's one kilometer. Okay. So, okay. Um, the easiest thing in 5K would be 3.1 yeah. miles, since we now established that a 5K is 3.1 and not 3.2. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it just teaches you what your body and what your mind can handle. And I think mentally is where I grew the most. Um, physically, you know, everyone goes into it, you know, for the most part in the best shape of their lives. Um, what that turns into at the end, you're usually down 20 pounds and you know, you look, you definitely don't look like you had the muscle mass that you used to. But um, it definitely, you know, taught me what I was capable of, regardless of what I felt like I was capable of. How long is Ranger School? So it's supposed to be 62 days. Okay. So there's three phases. Uh, there's Darby, Mountains, and Florida. Um, Explain each of those. Okay, so you go, all right, so I'll just start from the beginning. So you go to Ranger School, you walk into the gates. Uh, and Where you, is it? It's so it's in Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, Camp Merrill, Dahlonega, Georgia, which is in the uh, Smoky Mountains. Tight. And then uh, it's in um, uh, what's the base in Florida? Avalon Air Force Base okay. in Florida. So you start in and you go to Rap Week, which is fa uh, Ranger Assessment, uh, Ranger Assessment phase. Uh, so that's all your physical stuff. That's your. Uh, RPFT, which is your Rangical Physical Fitness Assessment, which is uh, 49 push-ups, like 53 sit-ups, 6 pull-ups, and you have to run 5 miles in under 40 minutes. So that's... Whoa, 5 miles? Yeah. So that's, so that's your first... That's day one. That's what you do. Wow. And then wow. it goes into... You do a combat water survival assessment, which is like uh, you have to go through a zip line into the water with all your gear on and then... How uh, heavy is your gear? I'm sorry I'm interrupting and asking questions. No, so it's not not like all your, not like your rucksack and stuff. It's like just like your your OCPs okay. and like a flick and stuff like that. Uh, then you have to do like a 20 meter swim in your OCPs and boots with like a flick and a weapon. And then uh, uh, there's like, oh, a confidence course where you're climbing up on like a high bounce beam that's like, I don't know, probably like, Probably 50 feet above the water. Do you attach to anything? No. And <laughs> so you climb up and you walk across it. There's like a step up in the middle. Yeah. And then they're like yelling at you the whole time. Uh, you do like a land nav test. You do some weapons testing. And then, uh, I, did I say land nav? You yeah. do land nav. And then uh, you do a 12 mile rock in under three hours. So that's, that's like, legit, that's yeah. like a that, 15 minute pace. So, which is a fast mile for walking. Yeah, that's fast like, mile. It's a quick mile walking. Yeah, it, with 35 pounds on your back. Yeah, that's moving. Cause we, yeah. I try to walk him in 18-minute miles. And yeah. that's, I so, think that's so it's a little bit, yeah. It's, so like your normal walking pace is probably around 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, you're jogging a little bit. You're yeah. shuffling. Um, doing your with thing. a 35-pound ruck. And your yeah. gear. And your weapon? Uh, well, yeah, so it's a, it's a rubber weapon. Okay. It's just, but it still weighs the same, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you do that, then you go into Darby, you go to Camp Darby, which is like down the road from it. 
and you do uh, you do patrols. So you they give you a bunch of classroom instruction uh, for the first couple of days. You do an obstacle course, and then you uh, you go into your patrols. So there's graded positions, a squad leader, and two team leaders are your graded positions. So based off how your squad does on your execution of your mission, those dudes either get goes or they get no goes. Um, usually you get two to three chances at, in a leadership position. Um, and if you have a go, and then uh, they do peer evals at the end. And you have to pass with like 60% positive peers. Okay. Uh, so there's a whole rating scheme that yeah. they do. Uh, one through 12 or whatever, and they have some sort of calculation. And then you go to mountains, which is Camp Merrill, and you do uh, rappelling on rocks or on mountains. You, uh, yeah, you do some other things like some rope bridges that you have to build and stuff. That's the same thing, but this time instead of squads, you got a platoon. So, okay. uh, 40 man uh, size element. How big is a squad? Squad's like 10 to 15. Okay. What can you go real quick? What are the different uh, levels of people? Yeah. So you go. You have a team. You have two teams in a squad. So there's like in an actual unit, ranger school, the squads and platoons are generally bigger because there's more people in the class. But okay. generally, you'd have four people in a team, two teams in a squad with a squad leader. So there's your nine. Uh, then you have four squads in a platoon. Okay. So that's your 40 or so people. You have like a medic too and like uh, a couple other people. What are they in? Are they like 68 whiskeys or whatever? Yeah, 68 whiskeys yeah. a medic. And then um, you have three to four platoons in a company. Um, and then... Our battalion has six companies in the battalion. Holy shit. So you've got hella people when you land and then start rolling out. Yeah. Like in a real thing. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's like 800 people. Wow. So all I remember, because in San Antonio when I was in medic school, the army was there too, as we were stationed on the yeah. army base. And it would be like six guys in the Navy doing their thing. And then like a hundred army dudes just walking <laughs> around. Bro, what is going on? Like yeah. what are all these dudes doing? Uh, it made no sense to me then. But now it doesn't make sense. Just overpower everybody but it's fucking sheer people mm-hmm. so in mountains you're in platoon size versus Darby being a squad mm-hmm. and so your graded positions platoon leader platoon sergeant and your squad leaders okay. and again same thing based off your mission set how you accomplish the mission do they like give you like a thing you have to like do and then you have to figure out how to get yeah, it done yeah so what they do is they give you an off board or a frago which is um, a frag or which is basically just a partial off order and you'll have like um, what your objective is, like where it is. You'll have you know your um, time hacks that you have to make, and you'll have like a couple of different other things that are, um, are strewed throughout. Just kind of like information on what you're trying to accomplish, and then the platoon leader will take all that information and pitch the op board to his platoon. Okay. So he'll give them you know he'll brief what's gonna happen. Uh, so he'll go through the situation, mission, execution, sustainment, and command and control. So that's the command and control is like all your like radio information, your succession of command, whatever. So you go through these patrols, and again, you get two to three looks at a leadership position. Okay. And it's the same thing as Darby. If you get a go, you move on, and then uh, you have to pass peers. And in Florida, it's the same thing, except this time, instead of being in the mountains, we're in the swamps. So we do some Zodiac boat movements, which are like uh, the rubber-like boats you'll see on like... Like, like the Swick boats. Yeah, like Swick boats. That boat. is fucking sick. That is cool. So if you don't know what we're talking about, a Swick boat is like what you see like in the movie, yeah. uh, and they come into the jungles, and it's like, 
with the yeah. guns fly. Yeah, that is fucking dope. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool thing. Um, you definitely like those opportunities like to do some of those types of missions. Like you're never gonna get to do. Yeah. Unless you know. Uh, like I've never even seen a swick boat since. So you know. Yeah, I mean, you that's a special ops. That's a special ops. So that's all it is. Yeah. So went through all that, and then again at the end of Florida, same thing. Get a go, pass your peers, and then uh, uh, you go and you get your tab, and then you're ranger qualified. So. Now, why can anybody go to ranger school, or did you just choose to? Like, how does that work? So. Anyone can uh, anyone can go to ranger school. I think you have to be an E three or above okay. to go. Um, but being an infantry officer, it's so it's optional, mm-hmm. but it's not. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, it's one of those things where like you're it's, you're supposed to go and you're supposed to have your tab. Like that's just what it is. Now, just because you aren't successful, there doesn't mean you're a bad leader or a bad person or you suck at your job. There's plenty of different things. There's plenty of different options, or not options, there's different uh, factors that go in. Uh, Depending on who your grader is, the ranger instructor that's grading you, who's, uh, you know, in the different leadership positions. Like, if you're a PL, and, like, your third squad does some stupid shit, and they cost you the mission, like, is that really on you? Yeah. Yes. Well, yes and no. Technically, but, yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not your fault. So, like, there's there's a couple of dudes I know that, you know, weren't successful, and there's a couple of dudes that made it through that, you know, yeah, like I kind of look at, and I'm like, yeah. eh, you know. But it, it was definitely, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, it was, again, not a lot of people get that opportunity to go. Not a lot of people get to be successful for going through it. So it's something I'm definitely prideful in the fact that I went and I was successful but I definitely know that I couldn't have done it without the dudes to my left and yeah. the dudes to my right. Do you, so let's say you, you pass the ranger school like you did, do you have an option to go be a ranger then? Or how does that? Yeah, so um, generally for the enlisted side, what you would do is you go to RASP, which is Ranger Assessment and Selection Program, uh, or process, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like an eight-week like uh, course and they'll select or not select you mm-hmm. depending on how you perform as an officer or like uh, I believe it's like E6 and above. You go to uh, what they call RASP 2, okay. which is just kind of a more of like a leadership, like an adult version of RASP okay. where you sense. don't get smoked as much. You don't get fucked down as much, but you're still, you know, out there and you're still, you know, getting assessed and possibly selected to, to go do that. Because, I mean, you're going to be, you're E6 and above, you're going to be put in the leadership position, yeah. so there's no need to put you as too much shit yeah. as the E5 yeah. and below. Yeah, and you can generally, like I said, you can kind of generally tell. Um, you don't need to, like, put people through that shit. I mean, a lot of the, you know, enlisted dudes that have been in the Army a minute have gone through and done, you know, enough shit. They know how to deal with the bullshit, yeah. yeah. Well, how many people, so how many people first go to the RASP or RASP 2, and then how many people are going to get selected? So I'm not really sure about that. Um, I know for Ranger School, the uh, pass rate was like 30, 33%, I okay, think. So, not high. so I imagine it's something kind of kind of similar for, for RASP. Um, but again, I, I, I didn't go, so. Did you want to become a Ranger and like go serve with the Rangers, or was that just yeah. not ideal for so, you to do? Uh, what I 
it was kind of what I wanted to do, but I really didn't have, based off my timeline and how things played out, I wasn't, I didn't have the best opportunity to go based off my timeline and when I was going to, you know, get promoted to first lieutenant, when I was going to get uh, promoted to captain, like, I, it wasn't the best timeline for me. So I was looking at more going to uh, selection uh, to uh, try and do special forces, but um, that wasn't, that didn't end up happening, but I mean, I'm still happy with my choices yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what I did, so. When you joined, did you know you were going to go to the ranger school? Yeah, so that's one of the things I want. So I knew from the beginning I wanted to go infantry. Okay. I knew if I went infantry, I was going to have to go to ranger school. So I was like. And now you can say you've been, like, you yeah. did that. That's the, the shit. Like, yeah, so that, that was definitely pretty cool. Like I said, that's one of the things that, like, I'm I'm super proud of that yeah. that I I did. Um, but like I said, you know, I was, I was successful because of the people I was with. And 100%. some of them I still keep in touch with, to, like, you know, how we just talked about to this day, so. Now, when I was, I remember, I remember before I got in, uh, I remember, I remember being in the front yard with my dad and my mom and my brother, and I think a couple of my aunts and uncles, and we were all sitting there talking, and I was telling them I was going to be a corpsman, and I was like, corpsmen go in, and they're the Marines medics, and I can't wait to go overseas <laughs> and serve, blah, 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 and then I got in, and I remember sitting at A school, that's what we call like our, our medic school, after boot camp, you go to the A school, and the dude in front of me, and they, so they were sitting in class, and they were reading out orders, like at the end of yeah. that, and it's like, oh. The dude in front of me went to like some battalion with the Marines, and the dude behind me went to some battalion with the Marines, and I went to Pensacola. And I remember thinking, "Oh fuck, thank God I didn't get sent." Because by within two months, I was like, "I don't want to go to war." Like, I, and this was in 2000, 2013. Yeah. yeah, and so we weren't really at war, but I mean, we had we just still, gotten done with a. Fucking... I mean, we're technically still at war. Yeah. There's still people going over. There's still people being killed. But it's not like at the height like yeah. it was, but. I am so glad now that I didn't go to war. Did you, when you were getting in, did you want to go and did you want to like really serve? Yeah, so I 100% wanted to go. How do you feel about it now, though? So I... Uh, I guess, yeah, take me through like the beginning yeah, so, and, and how and the comparatively after. So when I found out I was going to 101st, as part of the 18th Airborne Corps, mm-hmm. like some of the most historic... Everybody, if you know, the military, if you you know, know anything yeah. about World War II, World War uh, World War Two. Uh, Vietnam, Korea, 101st is is a big deal. Yeah. Um, so I found out I was going to 101st, which is part of, like I said, part of the 18th Airborne Corps. I found out I was going to 3rd Brigade, which is like the Rockasans, which again, if uh, if you're familiar with the Army, Rockasans are like a big deal at 101st. Um, and then when I got here, when I called 3rd Brigade to be like, hey, I'm here, they're like, well, actually, you're not coming here anymore. Because... Oh. I had it all planned out. I was going to do a, a, a train-up rotation to Fort Polk, Louisiana. Uh, and then they were supposed to deploy to, I think, Afghanistan or Africa. So I was like, okay, this is, like, perfect. perfect. Yeah, yeah, timed yeah. it all perfect. In the shit, bro, yeah. I timed it all perfect. And then uh, they are like, no, you're going to go to 1st Brigade. And uh, I found out that they had actually deployed probably a month before I got here. So I got here, signed in, and I'm like, well, you know, there's still a chance to send people late. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, it didn't work out. Um, I didn't get a chance to go. Um, they were down in Syria, which would have been a cool experience. Is it unfortunately or is it fortunately? It is unfortunate. I definitely yeah. wanted to go. Yeah. Um, you know, that that was one of my, I had like four things I wanted to do when I joined the Army. I wanted to branch infantry. 
I want to go to ranger school. I want to go to airborne school, and I wanted to deploy. Um, I got two out of the four. I didn't have a chance to go to airborne school, unfortunately. The airborne jumps, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, so I didn't get the chance to go to that. Um, we, I had a chance to go to airborne school here at Fort Campbell, or from Fort Campbell to Fort Benning, and go, but when COVID happened, they shut everything. Excuse me. Uh, I, they shut it all down, so I didn't get a chance, and then yeah. stuff happened, and now I'm getting out, so. But, um, yeah, it was, it was unfortunate, but it's one of those things I, I wouldn't have gotten to meet the people and probably have some of the experiences I did with those people if, if I had. So, um, yeah, it's all, I mean, there's silver lining yeah, to everything. Obviously. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, I wouldn't change what, I, what I've done at all. Uh, I wish things might have been a little bit different, but I'm def- I'm still happy and grateful for you know the, the things I did get to do. So you served you served your country. Has anybody in your family served? Yeah, so I have uncle who's in the Marine Corps, and then I had uh, both my grandparents were uh, one of them was in the Navy, one of them was in the Air Force uh, for like you know three or four years, and then I had an uncle who's in the Navy as well for a couple of years. So. so was this like a thing that you always wanted to do, or was it a like? Where did it come around that you were like, I want to join the army? So I always wanted to do, so, so I guess I always wanted to do something to kind of like contribute, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think for the most part, like you're more successful if you have a reason to what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and so I always, I either wanted to be a cop or I wanted to join the army. Um, so going to college, uh, that was my goal, get my four-year degree and then I was going to take the state trooper test or I was going to join the army. Um, state trooper test uh, I didn't end up having the chance to take it because of the year that they when they had it versus when I was done school I didn't get the opportunity um, but I went right to the recruiter and I was like hey this is what I want to do And did you go first to the army recruiter? no so I because I know my story is like I went I went to the coast guard first and he's like nah bro we ain't taking nobody and then I went I went to the air force and he wasn't there and I'm like fuck and so then I was walking out of the Air Force, and an Army dude was there. And I was talking to him, and like, he, was like a, he was an Army recruiter. Yeah. He's like, let me tell you this. This is how it works, bro. He's like, where do you like hanging out? He's like, you want to be in the woods? You want to be on the beach? Or you want to be in the desert? And I was like, well, I love the beach. He's like, go to the Navy, bro. And I was like, all right. And that's how I joined. That's the only reason I joined the Navy. That's great. And you were stationed on a beach. On a beach. Like, legit on the, the beach. one of the best beaches, probably, <laughs> yeah. too. That's so crazy. The whole time, on the beach. I mean, I would get done work at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And we would just go drink on the beach. Yeah. I always I always tell my buddies to in the army. I'm like, dude, my buddy from back home lived the life. I had man. hands down the and if and if you ask people, like we were talking about a little bit ago, I had the greatest naval career I know of anybody. I mean I got in a lot of trouble because I was a fucking idiot, but I never got in trouble. Like I just got in trouble, a little slap yeah. on the wrist, and then I had great leadership. And I I mean and I was legitimately like I was a good human being. Yeah. And that was so apparent that my fuck-ups were never big enough to be like, fuck this dude. And so I was lucky yeah. enough that I had a good enough relationship with the people who were above me yeah. that they knew that I wasn't a fucking asshole. Yeah. And you probably did a good enough job. Oh, at- no, I sucked. No? I sucked, <laughs> I sucked so much. But at the same time, they gave me, like, I was supply PO. So, and it was like, dude, I fucking hated doing supply. It was, so like you said, they just piled. And then I told you last night, I was the head of the Ebola team. I was a fucking idiot. And they made me the Ebola team lead. So the Ebola breakout happened. Curtain. <laughs> like, you're going to die. 
So, so yeah, why the army? How did it happen? All of that. Yeah. So originally, I uh, I went and talked to the Marine Corps because I was like, oh, badass, bro. USMC, you yeah. know, <laughs> like there's, you know, if you're the proud, yeah. like all the, all that, all of it, all of it, the sword, know. the yeah. fucking blues, all of <laughs> everything. It. So, and you're going to laugh when you hear this. Cause I don't think I told you this, but, uh, so I went and talked, it's called a, the Marine officer selection officer. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I went down and I talked to him and I'm like, Hey, wait, I want to join the Marine Corps. And here, I'll get closer. No, you're good, you're good. I'm like, Hey, I want to join the Marine Corps. And he's like, all right. He's like. You know, we went through, got some of my information, some basic, you know, physical stuff. And he's like, he's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, infantry, baby. Like, oh, I, shit. I, like, <laughs> sending, gun, bro. Yeah, yeah. like, let's go get it. And he's like, well, he's like, that's a lot more competitive. He's like, but what I can do for you is we can get you a flight contract and you can go be a pilot. It's fucking sick. A Marine pilot? I, I hung out with the one... He was a regular. He was a drunk at my bar that I used to work at in Dallas. So, I was like, no. Really? <laughs> really? Why? I don't know. A pilot in the region? Dude, I, dude, I, I know, bro. dude. I, I know. I know. And I was like, no, dude. I, like, I don't want I don't want to be a pilot. <laughs> Wild. And you had all the requirements to make yeah. it? Well, I didn't take, you know, like the Swift or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or the Sift or whatever it's called. But, uh, yeah, like my vision was good, like every, like all the physical stuff. Wow, you know, that's, like cra- that's the hard part. Yeah. yeah, eyesight, everything, and they're like, he's like, well, he's like, I guess let me, let me know if that's what you want. I was like, nope. So I came back to Plattsburgh because this was in Albany that I had to meet with the guy, okay. and I come back to Plattsburgh, walk right into the army recruiter. I'm like, hey, I want to go. I want to be an officer, and I want to be in the infantry. He's like, here's your paper real yeah, he's like, let's go, baby. He's like, I got something for you. <laughs> so it's one of those things where, like, I look at it, and I'm like, man, that would have been so cool. Oh, like, yeah. You know, but at the same point, like, again, I got to do some. Yeah. I, I want to change it. And honestly, like, going, having the chance to go to ranger school, having the chance to lead a platoon, uh, having a chance to be part of this battalion that I'm in right now, which, in my opinion... Um, regardless of how much I bitch about it, and if anyone ever watches this from work, they know that I just bitch constantly. And it is everybody bitches. Um, it's it's the best yeah. unit, and there's no regrets. It, there's, it's the best, and I'm sure most people feel about the same way about their units. But yeah. my unit's the best unit, so that's you know I'm I'm ha- I'm happy with the choice of that man. Yeah, nothing, nothing. But I always tell people that, and they're like, "Dude, you're you're an idiot." That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy because. I mean, obviously, pilots are the top level of everything, yeah. and then you're a marine pilot yeah. on top of that. Like, that's a fucking dope job. Yeah. But you also, got to, like you said, ranger school. You're an officer yeah. in the army. Yeah. That's by itself is pretty yeah. respectable. Yeah. So it's, it's it's pretty cool. But definitely, whenever I tell people that story, they're like, "Dude, what type of drugs were you on?" <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Yep. Whatever. It's cool. What do you? How do you feel about your Patriots? Yeah. So. <laughs> so, to me, it's funny because Tom Brady leaves. With Gronk. With Gronk. And they go Out to of Tam- retirement. And they go to Tampa Bay. Yep. And the Red Sox are in the cellar. And Tampa Bay wins the World Series. Yep. And the Bruins suck balls now. <laughs> yep. And Tampa Bay wins. They lost Tory Krug, dude. And. And so it's like, and now, and Cam Newton was like, dude, I'm coming back. He put all those videos on his Instagram. 
I'm working, bro. I'm working, bro. And he comes back and he's throwing three touchdowns all year. Yeah, he, <laughs> throw, he threw three picks last game. Yeah, so I haven't really had the chance to watch much of the Patriots. Like I was telling you, uh, the first four weeks of the season, I was in JRTC at yeah. Fort Polk, Louisiana. Didn't get to watch them there. Uh, came back for two days. Went to New York on the weekend, so I was driving 16 hours. Didn't get to watch them Saturday and Sunday. Came back from New York on the weekend. Didn't get to watch them. And then last weekend, I was like, dude, I don't care. So, That's where I'm at with football. So uh, it's one of those things, like, since I've joined the Army, I've been so, like, what's the right phrasing? I've been, my level of interest in sports has decreased so much that it's just, like, it's crazy because I used to, like, I was so diehard about yeah. everything. And, like, I didn't care like, if it was, like, the Panthers and the Saints on. I was like, yo, I'm glued to this. Like, let's go. Yeah. And I think a part of it is I didn't do fantasy football this year because of I was at JRTC, couldn't get set up. I'm not doing DraftKings. So I think a lot of those things that go into how society is with, like, you know, the tension of, like, what's, you know, it changes every, you know, what you're focusing on changes, like, every, you know, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't have red zone. So it's just sitting there watching the game instead of watching, you know, red zone all red the time. Red zone is and watching, you know, my fantasy team yeah. go up and down. I'm not betting on any sports. Uh, so I think that is one thing that I think, um, at least for me, has uh, contributed to the decline of my interest in sports. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, that at least for me is really frustrating with the Patriots is that they had the chance to do so many different things to help out Tom Brady. They could have got, uh, like, if you look at the cap space... They could have got so many weapons for that guy. They could have done so many things to help them. They had them. one weapon or two weapons the whole time he was there. Randy Moss and fucking Gronk. And that was yeah. it. Other than that, it was... Well, fucking... and Aaron Hernandez, but... Oh, you were, but he, I mean, Aaron yeah. <laughs> So I remember we were living together. And this is, your thing was like, I want all her Aaron Hernandez. I want people who murder people on my football team. And if you're building a football team, that is what you want. But at the same time, we didn't know who was actually murdering <laughs> Yeah, people. Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he's all tatted out. And, like, I, I don't care about tattoos, so. but, you know what I'm saying? He's all tatted out. He's from, like, you know, he's from Connecticut. He's from kind of a tough town. His dad, like, beat him. Like, the dude was just a hardcore just motherfucker. And I was like, those are the people you want when you're playing football. But more, more so than just that, I wanted people, like, the talent that we could have got Brady, there's plenty of it in the NFL. Yeah. That people, yeah. people were taking smaller contracts to come play for the Patriots. Yeah. And we could have got so many different people with a salary cap that we still had to spend. And we'd get, like, these people. Like, we draft these, like, receivers out of, like, ASU, like, Nikhil Harry. And I'm like, who, wh- like, DK Metcalf was still on the board when we got uh, Nikhil Harry. I'm like, look at DK Metcalf. That dude's huge as shit. And he runs, like, a 4-3-40. And everyone's like, dude, he's not a, he's not a route runner. It's like, just throw the ball into the end zone. Yeah. The homeboy will just jump over everybody. Yeah. And it's like, instead, they're just playing with janitors from high school. Yeah. And that's one of the frustrating things. Like, Bill Belichick, genius. Like, well, do you think it's Belichick or was it Brady? So, the last time they're Cleveland Browns. It's probably a mix, but. Yeah. So, at the beginning, the beginning years, had to be Belichick. Yeah. Right. Brady was. He wasn't Brady yet. He was a good quarterback. But the way that they played defense and the dudes that they had on the defense. Yeah, defense was filled. Those first three Super Bowls, Bill Belichick. Yeah. But anything after that, once Brady started just becoming who he was, systematic, bro. It was 
Like that dude, even now, like he's still hot. Like people are like, oh, well, he only throws the ball 10 yards. Like if you watch Tom Brady, he will throw that ball on a dime down the field. But he's also efficient and he's not just going to throw down the field just to throw down the field. He's going to make the safe, smart play. He's not going to do, he's not going to throw turnovers. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going, he will fall down to the ground without getting touched. And, you know, he always, he plays with his head. He doesn't play with his physical traits. He's definitely not fast, no. and but yeah. So I think it's it's kind of frustrating. I'm sure a lot of Patriot fans feel the same way. Where it's like, hey man, like can we at least like help the dude out like yeah. a little bit? And yeah. I, I was Tom Brady. I would have left too. And I don't blame Tom Brady whatsoever. In fact, I I still like Tom Brady. I probably like him more than I did, like not necessarily now on the Bucks, but. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, I started I really appreciating Tom Brady for what he is, what he's done, and, you know, just the general, you know, happiness that he's brought to all Patriot fans. To New England fans. I fucking hate New England so much. That's okay, because your Eagles, you know, they're doing their thing right now. We're Carson place, Wentz. First place, yeah. fuck Carson Wentz. I hate Carson Wentz so much, bro. I was so, we gave him $36 million for like four years, and I was like, dude, this dude has not played a full season yet. You know what, though? I think we can all agree. That we're happy about Dallas. Yeah. I'm not happy about Dak. Fuck Dallas. I'm not happy about Dak. Right? Like, you well, know. Well, I, I am. But I'm not happy. As a person, I'm not. But as a football fan, I'm so happy Dalton and Dak got hurt. <laughs> I'm not happy that any of them got hurt. I am. But I am happy to see that Dallas is is struggling and, and really just. Because I think Jason Garrett got a lot of the blame that I'm not sure he yeah. fully deserves. Jerry Jones deserves but I mean, also, Jason Garrett's the what defensive coordinator for the Giants now. Yeah, they suck too. And just maybe it was Jason Garrett. Yeah. I'm being living in Dallas for those three years, like we're talking about, had made me the biggest Dallas Cowboy hater in the <laughs> world. Dude, I fucking hate. Them. I just hate them with a like. It's a it's a seething passion that I hate the Cowboys. I loved going to their games and just talking shit, even when they were winning. Yeah. Fuck the Cowboys. Fuck all of you people. Like, I hate the Cowboys so much. You know what's funny is, I really like, I don't really feel like that about any team, except maybe the Baltimore Ravens. Really? The Ravens? Yeah, because yeah, we used to play them all the time in those AFC Championship games. Ah, uh, with like Ray Lewis and yeah. Reed and shit. Yeah. And Joe Flacco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Flacco. Super Bowl winning Joe yeah, Flacco, hey, bro. He did win a Super Bowl. So yeah. did Tyrod Taylor, though, so. He's the, Taylor he's the backup quarterback. Oh, I was like, doesn't he play for the Bills at one point? Yeah, and the Browns and everyone else in San Diego. OBJ just tore his ACL. Yeah, that was crazy. It was, yeah. Well, they said, like, and I didn't watch the play. Well, okay, I saw the interception. I didn't see what happened after. But they said that he, like, did some sort of weird shit, like, after, like, the pick was thrown. Like, he was, like, overly aggressive and, like, trying to slam that dude to the ground. I'm like, I don't like OBJ at all. I, I don't think, want him to be tear his ACL, but I don't like it. OBJ has made a career off one catch. One catch. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know why everybody thinks he's so good. He's not bad. No. But, I'll take him on my team, but I'm not paying him big money, no. and he's not worth the headache that comes along. No, I agree. And, I, and he likes to be pooed on, <laughs> peed on, or whatever it was. And I kind of think he's gay, which I have no problem with gay people. I have a problem with gay people not coming out and just saying they're gay. Like, I don't know, maybe, cause maybe, like, in the black community, is like, a big deal to be gay, but he's gay. 
I mean, I, I, I don't know what the dude does at, at I night. Seen, I saw videos of him coming out of the hot tub with a bunch of dudes, and he was under the water and shit. And it, it's, you, haven't, you haven't seen these videos? No. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not Googling OBJ hanging out in a hot tub with and dudes. Like, his fetish is like, for being as flamboyant and as boisterous as he is, he's hiding a lot. I just wish he would come out. I just don't get why some of the people wear what they like. Even Travis Kelsey, though. Travis yeah. Kelsey always wears some weird shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I just don't understand. I yeah. Oh, wore that watch that was worth like a half a million dollars during the game in Boston, yeah. 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 or was those the like, earrings? Dude, what are you doing, dude? Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. but he probably got paid to wear that. To be I don't honest. think so. But you're not getting paid half a million dollars. So what the hell is the worth? Well, I guess you get given the watch. Yeah. And you get paid. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. What a weird thing. What it, a weird human being. There's a lot of weird stuff that's going on. Yeah, that's all weird. I don't know. Do you think... So the NBA... I just saw something today that in 1996, 59 million people watched Game 6 of the NBA Finals. That's when Jordan was playing the Jazz. And the Finals that just happened, yep. the highest rating for the final was like 9 million people watched it. Yeah. And I think COVID is a big deal. The bubble had to, had to play to that. But, like, the NBA is not going to do Black Lives Matter next year because I think they're afraid that they're losing viewership. Yeah. So, I think, and I think I was talking to you, <coughs> and this doesn't have to do with the viewership yet, but I think it's interesting about what they, uh, like, what I talked to you about with, like, Ryan Rosillo and how he talked about, like, how, like, if you're a shooting guard gets paid $10 million and yes. you're playing in California, right? So, 50. 49% of their money's taxed. So then you're at $5 million. And then, like, okay, so then the owners withhold 10% of that to make sure, you know, the the books all line up at the end. So there's, you know, another million gone. And then they have to pay their agent. So they end up finally, like, after everything's all done, like, with, like, 1.2. And I think part of the NBA's problem is the average dude in the NBA that – not even like the average dude, like the bench player in the NBA makes like ten million dollars. So much money. I mean, Grant is only ten people on a team. Well, no, you have more than ten though, right? I think twelve is the max you can have on a team. Yeah, but like, so you're paying all these dudes exorbitant yeah, amounts of money. of money, millions. And then ticket prices are going up. They play eighty-two games, which, excuse me, I don't think eighty-two games. Same thing with hockey. Same thing with baseball. So I think they play way too many so games. Many. So I think, you know, people, like, if you're going to sit there and watch all these games, I don't think you're going to get a vast majority of people doing that because at the end of the day, like, Lakers playing the Jazz Wednesday in Nobody December, cares, yeah. like, no one, no one cares. cares. And, but I do think the politics does play a big role, and I think a lot of people, regardless of what side you're on, turn into sports as a way to get away mm -hmm. from, you know, the stressors of life, whether it's work, politics, or family, like, whatever. So I think when they're just sitting at home trying to have a beer and watch, you know, mm -hmm. Lakes, Lakers American, jazz yeah. on in December, yeah. like, they, uh, like, I just don't think that they want to have more politics and more, more things. They just want to sit there and watch. They just want to watch a basketball game. They just want to watch the game. And it's not to say that, you know, people can't, you know, uh, you know, speak their mind and say what they want to say. That's that's completely fine. Like yeah. obviously, like I have no problem with that. Even if we have uh, completely different opinions, like you know, I'm not trying to 
you know, tell you how to black lives yeah. don't matter. We know black lives <laughs> matter. Like we yeah. are all about this whole thing. Yeah, but it's, and I think the same thing with like Call of Duty, like over in the spring, like in the loading menu on the right hand side, they had a sign that said Black Lives Matter. Really? Yeah, in Call I of Duty. Do yeah, don't play. And that. it's just like, uh, I think like what FIFA does. Um, I think where they had those signs that said like end racism. Yes. I think that that would be a more effective way to say that message than I think necessarily black lives matter. But I think at the end of the day, like, like we discussed, like I think people just want to sit there and they don't want to have any, they just want to have just not even think about anything. They just want to watch a basketball game. They don't want to have, you know, people, you know, discussing politics, politics during that because politics is, you know, a lot is a big divider, and people, people get really fired up about that stuff. That's like, I was at uh, Toyota here in Clarksville, uh, getting my tires rotated, and I was like, "Hey, I want it's Saturday. I want to watch college football." But before I told her what I wanted to watch, she's like, "Well, what are, what channel are you gonna change the TV to?" I'm like, "College football." And she's like, "Oh, well, normally we just keep on HG on HGTV because we don't want anything that's gonna like cause argument." HGTV is going to make me blow my brains out. <laughs> yeah. But. I know what you're saying. It's, yeah, it's, and that, that's crazy that you can't put it on a channel in a fucking tire spot because it's going to cause arguments between yeah. people. It's like, dude, it's a fucking TV station. Yeah, and I was like, but I mean, they were fine with me switching it to college yeah. football, but like, but it's funny wanted, that they. were like, can I turn it to Fox News? Yeah. Like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> or like, yeah. I turn it to CNN. Yeah. No, 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 not in the south. <laughs> no, it's it just funny though, because I'd never been asked that before. When I, yeah, I would never think about when it. I was like, "Hey, can I just like change? like no one else is everyone else is playing on their phones I'm like this the whole time." Yeah, and I'm like, "Hey, like check this out. Like, I don't really care about my phone. Like, college football's on. Yeah. Like, you know, like let's let's do that." And I think, and I think, the the NBA obviously and the NFL is predominantly black. Yeah, and everybody knows that. So I think it is good that they use their platform to speak out yeah. what they need to speak out. Because obviously there is a systemat- systemic racism problem in the United States. However, like you said, when I sit down to watch an NBA game, I don't, I'm sitting down to watch basketball. Yeah. And I am a basketball fan of the purest. I don't even have a favorite team because I love basketball so much yeah. that I enjoy just watching the game. Yeah. And I can get my politics elsewhere. I, and if LeBron, because LeBron is the most outspoken person there is. Yeah. And... 95% of what he says I do agree with. There are some things that I could probably not agree with him. And, but like, <coughs> I'm sitting there to watch basketball and not saying, like, I'm not ever going to be like, I'm not going to watch the NFL because they yeah. black lives matter. Like, there are some crazy people who yeah. say that. Like, I'm not, and we all know you guys are watching the NFL. Like, yeah. we do know you're watching the NFL. You're just not mm-hmm. telling anybody. But, like, yeah, I think you're right. It's like, at some point, I just want to watch sports. Yeah, I tune in to tune out. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's I think that's why all the ratings and I think ratings generally across like if I'm not mistaken, like NFL ratings are down Everything's too. Down. And to me, I can't even say it's because of COVID because that doesn't make sense because be people because people are here are they're aren't at home. Doing, yeah they're not doing anything. They should be up. They, they they might be going to work, but I'll tell you what they're not going out to the bars in New York and hanging no, out. They so should, like, in reality, they are in the South though. If you think, <laughs> in reality, though, you should think like. The ratings for all things should be up because yeah. everyone's at home watching TV all the time now. Yeah, exactly. And it's easier to watch sports on this thing than ever. Yeah, like, I can, that's where I watch all my sports. I don't watch anything except on. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if that does play into effect with the ratings though, because I don't know if this calculates ratings. Yeah, like, actually, I don't know about that. 
I have no idea. Hmm. We need a guy to look that up. Jamie, look that up. <laughs> <laughs> So you hate Joe Rogan. Why do you hate Joe Rogan? No, I'm just kidding. But you do think we should have segregated water fountains. (laughs) (laughs) One of those things is true. (laughs) I'll let you guys figure out which one is. No, okay, so Joe Rogan, to clear it up, I I don't hate Joe Rogan. Also, I don't want segregated water fountains. (laughs) (laughs) I don't hate Joe Rogan. I just think sometimes he's a little bit too high to do interviews, which, I mean, like I said, I, to me personally, I don't care what you do like in your own personal space, but like, am I going to sit there and watch you when you can't even like focus because you're blitzed out of your mind? Probably not because like, I just like, to me, that's not really like yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you take that because like we talked about it, like people take him at such face value. It's like, you guys realize he was like the host of Fear Factor, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dude, I have buddies that, and not to include you in this, but I have buddies that love Joe Rogan that are just like, hey, dude, did you hear what Joe Rogan said? I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, I didn't. And they'll be like, oh, he made like a bunch of good points. I'm like, dude, like, I don't I don't really care. Like, I can talk to like Joe down the street and he can make some good points too. Like, and, then, and like the news will take Joe Rogan's quote and like Fox will run with it. Joe Rogan says this. Yeah. He's like, yo, he's a comedian. Like, <laughs> like, why aren't you doing this to the rest of the comedians? Like, he just figured out that podcasting was cool before everybody else did. That's all he did. And you look back at why he started it. Yeah. It's because he was living in California and he hated living in LA. So he just wanted to hang out with his friends. So he started a podcast. Yeah. And it's like, and now he has 10 million subscribers. People are like, Joe Rogan says this. The world is going to go that way. Like, yeah. What, dude, are you talking about? You know, you know what's crazy too is... If you're a big comedian guy, do you know who Bill Burr is? Yes. Yo, did you see his SNL, SNL thing? Dude. Oh my <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. People tried to cancel him. And Bill Burr is 100%, 100% on point. The whole thing. I think. And he roped everybody in real quick. Oh. And, he, and for to clear it all up, he has a black wife. Yeah. So, like, obviously he is not racist. He is married to a black woman. Yeah. And I, to me, like, I don't even really think like he said anything that was like racist. If anything, he was making fun of white women more than he was making fun of anyone well, else. That's why they tried to cancel him. Well, yeah. yeah, because remember their Gucci boots got moved over the fence to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> Dude, that monologue and to do it on SNL, which is like the most yeah. politically correct show in the world, which is I don't find SNL funny. No, I don't even watch SNL, but I did watch. As soon, I'm a huge Bill Burr guy. Absolutely Dude, love Bill Burr. He's amazing. He's hilarious. And as soon as I heard. And here on SNL, I already knew. Mm-hmm. I already knew. And then I watched it. And I was like, this is this is literally who he is. I don't know why you would put him on your show if you didn't, like, I don't think, if he tried to talk about things that weren't, like, edgy, like, I wouldn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. I wouldn't even want to listen to him. But that's the whole thing about being a comedian yes. is you talk about things and you make make fun of things. He No limits. He'll make fun of anyone. He doesn't care. And he like, in an art form, though. Yeah. He's not doing it... He's not a dick when he does it. It's just, like, funny. It's like, if you can't laugh at it yourself, like, you're too uptight and you need to loosen up. Well, that's... And it comes back to... <coughs> and it comes back to, like, all of a sudden when you start making things not okay to make fun of them, yeah. it it makes... It's such a slippery slope. Because, like, first you can't say the R... Like, I'm just... Let's do this example. Yeah. You can't say the R word. And then you can't say this word. And you can't say that word. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's offended by something. Yeah. So instead, it's just like, you know what? It's all fair game. Yeah. Everything is fair game. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
to me, like, if it's like what we had talked about, you're not really going to make fun of people. Like, if you really hate someone, like, you're not really going to make fun of You're just going to, like, if someone was really hated white women, they're not going to say, like, stuff like how he, like, he did it, like you said, so artfully, like, how he made fun of them. And it was, it was tasteful. It was, it wasn't even like, it wasn't mean. It was just like funny. And, but that's the problem with the world that we live in. It's like the cancel the culture that we live in. It's just crazy to me. And then when he's like, oh, they're running out of people to cancel. They're trying to cancel dead people. And they're like, God canceled them 30 years ago. <laughs> I was like. The comedians are the last art form that we have that are, polit- that are just commentators on what is going on in the yeah. world. And this. Thank God we have them because yeah. without them, it's like, well. If you talk about, the, I mean, the, there's still comedy left with Fox News and CNN. <laughs> and it, well, if you ask some people, that's 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 the new Bible <laughs> to some people, and it's fucking wild. Like we, if you can't take Fox News, CNN, NBC, CBS, yeah. ABC, if you can't talk all that with a grain of salt, yeah. you're fucking <laughs> you're retarded. <laughs> well, <laughs> and here's the thing to me, like people. Like, what's crazy to me is I think, and what I think contributes to this society and how we view things and how things get spread is, like, with Facebook. Because people yeah. will, like, comment and share stuff that they don't read the articles for. And they're, like, yes. like perfect example, right? So there is someone, I forgot who was on Facebook, that shared something about, like, oh, rest in peace to the troops. Like, we need to stop the war. So I clicked on the article. It was from 2000. This is, like, this year. It's from, like, 2012. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't even look at the article. You just like, oh, this share headline, line. boom, yeah, share. I agree with that headline. Share. Yeah, and it's like, to me, that's the problem is people aren't willing to think for themselves. They want, they want to be told uh, everything and all the details. And you're never whenever you talk to any single person, even myself and you included, like we're going to skew things. Yeah. In a light that we see it yeah. and how our opinions are towards it. So you're not going to... I don't think there's a place in the world that you can read or watch that will give you... No. It, it, you, it's impossible to give unbiased news because everyone has an opinion. There's someone that's projecting this news to you. And Unless that, you're there watching it happen, yeah. you're getting an opinion at least a little bit one way or, or the other. Yeah. yeah, you have to. And it doesn't even have to be right or left. It could just be like... An opinion. Uh, yeah. It's just an opinion. like Because you're getting someone to count on something. And look... Take boxing, for example. Like, the, they have judges that watch the fight. Yeah. And those judges give different scores. Yeah. And they watch the that's same a, fight. Exactly. And that's, that's, a, that's a really good... I never even thought about that. That's a perfect analogy. Because, yeah. yeah, you have three judges. And it's like 30, 29, 20. It's like, did y'all watch this? And then, like, <laughs> not, and then you talk to the fans. And everyone else has a different score. Yeah. And everybody... A thousand people watch. And everybody has a different account of yep. what happened. And yep. so it's just... That's fucking wild. Dude, that's a perfect analogy. I never even thought about it. I don't know. Dude, it just came right to wow, me. Wow, nice, dude. It's deep, nice. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's my Joe Rogan take. That's as deep as I can go. Yeah, you should be the new MMA guy. Nah. Do, you, do you pay attention to MMA at all? Uh, no, not enough to be knowledgeable to talk about it. Like, like if I'm watching TV and there's a fight on and it's not one of the ones you have to pay for, like, I'll sit there and yeah, I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I've gone over to, you know, a buddy's house and, you know, 10 bucks and, and $50. Yeah. I'm not going to buy $50 for myself to sit here and watch MMA. Although I do think with those dudes and that's something like I'm so jealous of anyone that has the intestinal fortitude to, to take boxing 
or like MMA lessons. Dude. To, to no, because to do that, you are you are branching out into something that obviously if you're taking lessons, you probably don't have much experience in it. Mm-hmm. And in those small circles, it's people that have done that shit their whole life. And up. you're gonna just get balled up. Uh, you're gonna be super you're gonna be like Bambi on skates. Uh, you know, it takes forever to master. And it's just one of those things where like if if that's something I always wanted to do was like MMA stuff, like mm-hmm. go out there and fight people, like whatever. And I just like I was I don't know, like the the people that and I think I'm a risk taker. I think I'm willing one of those people that's like I'll I'll try it, like mm-hmm. whatever. But I just like never could bring myself to do it. And uh, that's just one thing that I think that those dudes and the dudes that are good at it or do that's girls, whatever. Yeah. Um, like even more power to them because I mean the 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 determination, the the dedication that they have to have to to go through and do that stuff in the training. Like you talk about dudes like whatever going down to the bargaining and drunk bar fight. Yeah, those dudes weren't training for eight months to go fight, sweating it out dropping weight eating clean like in the gym all day those dudes are just drunk and had too many yinglings dude. <laughs> <laughs> and like the- and i took one boxing class so i used to work with this dude who <coughs> he was a bouncer at the bar i was yeah. working at and he was like legit i've been doing it for years and he's like yeah come with me one day so i took one lesson and like they were all doing their things i was in the very beginning group, yeah. and all we did the whole time was like <laughs> the whole time yeah. by the end of it after an hour my obliques have never been so sore in my life just from twisting. And it's such a good workout, oh, too, dude. dude. Drenched by the warm up. We were just yeah. skipping around the mat the whole time, drenched. Yeah. And then you think it's like when I watch them walking out of the tunnel, yeah. And like they know they're about to go to like a literal war. war. Yeah. To a war where they're about, and like you see some of this, and their fucking eyes are cut open. Yeah. They're, like you could literally die. Oh, yeah. And they're yeah. like, nah, fucking bro, let's go. And it's like, you're, it's a different human yeah. being. It really yeah. is. And again, you don't have the alcohol co- courage. You're not no. mad because, you know, some dude like kissed your girlfriend. It's, it's just friendly. like, hey. And the thing too is, is you know, as soon as you sign that you're going to fight, you're fighting that dude. It's like nine months out and every day you wake up and you're like, like you're going to go fight. Something. Like to me, the perfect, the closest I've come to that is like when I was playing junior hockey. And in the second year I played junior hockey, I played in a league where you were allowed to fight. Like, you could square up, drop the gloves, take off your own helmet. The refs would, like, let, let it go. And I I think I had three of those fights. And the first time I ever did it, because, like, normally in, like, in like midget hockey. Or, like, yeah. Well, that, and it's, like, it's, like, spontaneous. Yes. So you're not sitting there thinking about it. But, like, when I dropped the gloves and, like, took off my helmet and we, like, circled around, I was, like, That's you sick. have time to think about it, yeah, too. Yeah. And you're, like... Dude, we're about to just throw punches <laughs> yeah, at you. This like, isn't like a fight. bar fight or anything like that where it's just spontaneous. This is something that was like like planned out yeah. almost. And it, not planned out where like we weren't thinking about for, you know, the season or a couple games or periods yeah, yeah, yeah. or minutes. Like, yeah, he checked my guy from behind head first to the boards. I slashed him on the leg. Yeah. He turned around and we locked eyes and we're like, yeah, we're doing it. And then that was like, that's still to me like, that was like one of the craziest things I've done. Because like, it wasn't spontaneous. I mean, it was spontaneous, but you still, like... The thought is there. Yeah. The, the planning of, like... It's not, like... In midget, because I wrestle a lot yeah. of hockey, and it's, like, you see a fight, and it's just, like, dude gets hit, and then, like, it's, like... Then they start grabbing each other and yeah. shit. And that, it's, like, shake the gloves off, unbuckle the thing, yeah. and it's, like, all right, now we are fighting. Yeah. And, 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 and so... And the dudes in the UFC, so I worked with a dude who's a server where I worked, 
Jeff Neal. Shout out Jeff. He is, I think, number 15 right now in the UFC, ranked. That's crazy, man. And most of the dudes, he is the nicest man you'll ever oh, going to meet. yeah, dude. He is so calm, so relaxed. Hey, bro, how <coughs> you doing? Nice to, like, nice to see you. Like, we, we worked together a few nights, maybe in a total of 15 nights yeah. together the whole time. But every time you see him, hey, bro, nice to see you. Nice. What's yeah. up? How you doing? And then, then he goes out of the ring, and his last fight, he, I think he knocked this dude out in a yeah. couple minutes. Like, yeah. and just, uh, and it's like, dude, if that guy fought anybody in a bar fight, yeah. he, <laughs> he fucking would done. kill him. And that's the crazy thing, too, because I think the discipline that those dudes have, right? Because yes. you know that if you're, if you're that good, right? You're a weapon. You you are a weapon. A that's weapon. that's You're what a you are. Weapon. Like so in the army we have uh oh shit. Um we have combative certifications. So it's like uh Yeah, the hand in your hand is up. Yeah. yeah. So there's like three levels or whatever. And some of those dudes like cause we'll do like wrestling stuff for like PT sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like you have dudes that are like high school wrestlers that are like combative level like three certified and like they're so quick. And like those dudes like are nothing. They're like and that's the crazy part. They get tied up by a UFC guy. Or knocked the fuck out quick. They get pretzeled by a UFC yeah. dude. Or and like one quick back spinning heel kick. And it's just like, now you're dead. Like you're yeah. literally on the ground dead. Yeah. And that's that's the crazy thing. Because you, like, you see those dudes that are like that good. And you're like, they're literally like, yeah, they're good. But they're still like nothing compared to anything. No. In, a professional fighter. Yeah. He's a professional person who kicks other people's ass. Yeah. Like think about Floyd Mayweather's hand speed. Like, that is unreal. And kind of one thing that, like, like I would say, like, compares to that. Like I said, it was, like, we had dudes that were, like, Division One wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, even them, like, okay, that's cool. Like, you division, you know, and it is cool. Like, I'm not even saying that, like, sarcastically. Like, it's cool that you did that. But, like, in the overall, like, scheme of things, like. Yeah, you're not that, you're not that tough. Yeah. Comparatively. You're yeah. tough compared to me. Yeah. Like, you're going to beat my ass yeah. like 10 out of 10 <laughs> times. Yeah, I'm dude. a pussy. <laughs> but, like, it's just, it's crazy because it's, people don't, I don't think people appreciate and understand how good those people, at, in not just UFC fighting, but, like, professional sports in general. Like, even those dudes that, you know, play a couple games or, you know, whatever, or don't even, are on the practice squad, like, how good those dudes are. Hey, are you cool if I use the bathroom? Can you yeah. carry this on by yourself for five minutes? When am I going to carry on? I don't know. Talk to the people. Or we could just pause it. No, you can't. What do you mean you can't? No, you can't pause it, bro. No pause. Are we live? Huh? Are we live? Nah, but like, maybe just fuck it all up. All right. I got to take a piss out of you.
like to talk. Russell doesn't like talking, I guess. Uh, I don't know. This is the first in-person podcast I've done. And I apologize that this setup isn't ideal for the listening on, on Spotify. But I think this is ideal for YouTube. Because you get to see real interaction. So... I'm telling, I'm just talking about like how this is the first actual podcast I've done in person. I have never oh. done one in person. It's always been on Skype because I like having that video on Skype. Yeah. And because I'm living in New York, which is, which yeah. is just not near anybody. And no, I'm not, I'm not Rogan yet, so I can't fly <laughs> people out. Uh, yeah. Eventually. So it was funny because I was listening to, I listened to one of his podcasts and he had like, who he considers the father of podcasts on. I don't remember the guy's name, which I shouldn't guess I know because I like it so much. But he was like, and the guy who, they were talking, and the guy said, his exact words like, Joe, there's a new you who's starting a podcast right now. And I was like, oh, that's fucking, that's me. That is 100% yeah. me. I, 100%, I think it's doable. I, well, I mean. It's all the, like, you're an interesting person, you can carry on a conversation, you can engage the people that you're talking to, um, you don't just, like. You can you have conversations with them about not just what they're doing, but just general things. And I think people find that stuff interesting. I hope so. And it's like what I told you. Like, eventually, I mean, you're starting off with just kind of like the people you know. Yeah. But even like people you've had on in the past, like it's cool, especially like for around us to grow your following in the North Country, right? So then you get the people that like, hey, like Kyle Matthew was just on this. Like, what is Kyle Matthew? you know doing holy shit he's a science teacher like (laughs) you know and then it's like so then you get someone else on and maybe someone's like oh ross merrill like that dude's in the army like that dude was a piece of shit and then like (laughs) and then you then they're like okay well what's the next one gonna be and then it's like hey it's dan Curtin, not to throw you know people or you know it's whoever and i think people find that stuff really interesting because a lot of the people you know especially being in a small community that we were you know like, I was friends with a lot of people that I just don't talk to every day. Not because I'm not friends with them and not because I don't like them or not because of anything. It's just I, everyone has their own life to live. I'm not just going to, you know, go through my phone and hit up, you yeah, know, Kyle. Kyle, just because, like, I mean, we're all doing our own thing. Yeah, like, yeah. And, but it's still cool to see what those people are doing. It's like having a, te- it's like having a high school 10-year reunion, but with people you didn't go to high school with and just people that you just knew. Who are interesting in their own yeah. right. And who, yeah, exactly, who are interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, I think, uh, specifically in the North Country, and I think probably a lot of people you know that have interesting stories. And to be honest, I think it's interesting just to hear, you know, maybe some, not someone I necessarily know, but someone who either has a career that's, you know, interesting, you know, maybe someone that's from, you know, one, somewhere where you travel that, hey, that might be cool. Like, I've never really known anyone from Colombia and like like it's cool to see what they have to say and like especially like hey why don't you tell people what generally Colombians think about people from you know America maybe that's not Dude, a good idea no 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 maybe that is good. exactly why but, I started like, this whole thing was because when I started traveling I was so interested in what people thought about Americans yeah because I'd always walk in and like I remember this first girl that I met in Chile we were hanging out and she was like, yeah, stupid Americans. And I was like, wait, that's a real thing? She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> and like, and I remember then I was, that was a shout out, Valet. And 
and then I met this girl from the Netherlands, and we were like, we sat and like I met her, and we were in bunk together in the same room, and we met, and then we sat there for like an hour and a half and just talked, and like we clicked immediately, and she was like, "Are you sure you're an American person?" Because I was like telling her like for healthcare and all this shit, and she's yeah. like. Because I just thought Americans were stupid. <laughs> that sounds I crazy. Like, no, that's, I was like, the younger generation, I think, is much more progressive thinking and much more worldly thinking just because we're a more global community now. Yeah. I mean, no fault of our parents. They just didn't yeah. have the access. Well, and I, and I think another reason why people probably think that, that is with how technology is in America versus, to, versus across the world. Mm-hmm. Right, like, I'm not talking like the, the advanced. Right now. I'm just talking about what the general person has. Right, they have a cell phone, probably like an iPhone or something, whatever. They have YouTube. They can make videos. They can post those videos on YouTube. Whether or not TikTok. they have a TikTok, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, every single person you see in America, generally speaking, could take up a cell phone and voice their opinion to the world. And Twitter, dude. And too many of those people do. Yes. Too many people do. But <laughs> maybe someone's saying that about us, too. Because, I mean, we're voicing... Probably, our... probably. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I think there's so... It's the same thing that we had talked about previously. We're, like, on the left and the right, you have the people that are the most left and the most right yelling the loudest. Yeah. And so I think on YouTube and Twitter, you probably have the people, like... Because what's going to get... More, clicks, more clicks, clicks, baby. What an average person says, where it's like boring as shit, yep. or like what some fucking idiot says that's just so off the wall that doesn't make any sense, and you're just like, yes. Well, it's like that thing. It's like even bad publicity is good because all publicity is good. I'm not because, sure if that's the case in well, America. Though. No, no, because if you're going for that, if you're yeah. just trying to make money, yeah. All publicity is good. Oh, yeah. Especially but if you're trying publicity. to represent America and nah, show yeah, how yeah, smart yeah. all the Americans no. are, it's but definitely like, not the way to do it. And then I'm figuring out right now, because like right now, my biggest episode that I put up was with, with Butch, yeah. Kyle. And I think it was because so many people could relate to that one that they knew both parties. Yeah. Like I put up people from Ireland, which got a lot of hits, and like my friend from Texas got a yeah. lot of hits. But like my most of people who see my post on yeah. Facebook, Instagram... Twitter, Snapchat, yeah. are from the North Country, yeah. even still now to this day, yeah. that they're like, oh, I know both of these dudes. And it's like, it's not like a random person that yeah. Jonah, like I like Jonah, he's cool and all, yeah. but I'm not interested in what's going on in Colombia. I'm not interested in what's going yeah. on in Texas. So now they're like, oh, Butch, fuck Butch, I love yeah. Butch. And yeah. it's like, that one blew up. And then I'll put one up with you, and it's like, oh, Russell, what's up with Russell? And then, I'll, and then I have another one where I'm going to uh, do a podcast with my old lieutenant from my, from my, my, my station. Yeah. And I know everybody that I serve in the military is like, oh shit, yeah. Lieutenant Wong. Like, I'm definitely going to watch that yeah. one. And so you start picking these little groups up, and then I say maybe 10 things that somebody agrees with. Maybe 80 people listen to this one. Yeah. I get three more subscribers. Yeah. And then I get three more subscribers. Yeah. And, then, and that's how it builds. And, exactly and then eventually it's like, hey, I'm interviewing, you know, people, like real maybe people. some, like, yeah, some dude that's on the up and coming, you so know. So I was on Galen. You know, do you know who Galen Trump is? Yeah. And so I was on his podcast now last year, uh, like 13 months ago, and it was like his 30th one. Yeah. And he had just started it, and it was like me on there and a lot of his other friends, 
And now I was just on it when I was back at home, maybe a month ago. And he's like, yeah, now I had... And then he just had the two mayoral candidates for Plattsburgh on. Okay. And he has having Tom Messner on. And it's like, so now he's at like almost that number 100. And so like, it's slowly building. Yeah. And like, his views are slowly going up and slowly yeah. going up and slowly going up. And he's having Tom Messner on. Yeah. Like, a lot of people don't know who Tom Messner is, yeah. but to people who grew up in the North Country... Oh, dude, Tom Messner? Everybody knows Everyone. who Tom Messner is. Especially, like, back in the day, because that we didn't have all these exactly. smartphones, so it's like, dude, Tom, what is the weather going to be? And then and then Tom Messner shares that he was on Galen, and 10 more people are like, oh, Galen Trombley. Like, I'm going to yeah. go subscribe because yeah. he has people who I like. So it's like, you have... it's The marketing aspect is just as important of yeah. who you're picking yeah. at what time you're picking them. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is like, you don't have the celebrity status of like Joe Rogan, who is the host of Fear Hack. Yeah. You don't yeah. like you don't have something where you instantaneously have yeah. you know, X number of but people. In his defense, he only had two hundred views on his first couple. Yeah, but that okay, that's so that's, that's still more than I have back. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll change that. Let's go. More than two hundred. Yeah, like this, share it, please. Get it up to two hundred. Well the last one, so the DMT video I did. Yeah. Has that grew the fastest? Butch's is bigger right now because it's been yeah. up longer. The DMT video took off. Yeah. Because people want to see what DMT is like. <laughs> Go see it, people. <laughs> Anybody who's listening, like, I'm going to uh, do DMT. Do DMT. With the right people around. Yeah. Shout out Bootmaster Mike. <laughs> I don't want to say his real name. Because, <laughs> but so, so, so back in the day, I was going to. So my shaman. Uh, we we work together again. Yeah. So the UFC fighter, the the guy who brought me to the boxing ring, and this shaman, we all worked in the same place. No kidding. It was a cool bar. It was a sick bar. And one night, my friend Jordan and Trevor and myself were out, and this dude, my shaman Mike, yeah. he's like, "Yeah, dude, I was drinking all night, and then I booted all over, and then forever and ever, his name is Bootmaster Mike." <laughs> so, shout out, Bootmaster. <laughs> Hey, that's how the nicknames get, get made, though. Yeah. You know who I hate the most in the world? Are people that try and give their own nicknames. It's the worst. So, <laughs> you know Shay Halley? Yeah. So, he used to work with me in Ultra Bias. <laughs> and Shay is 6'6", big fucking dude. And we, for the longest time, we were calling him Chode. <laughs> and so, one day he walks in, he goes, Hey, so, y'all been calling me Chode. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I know what Chode is now. Y'all been calling me a short, fat dick for the whole time? <laughs> it was so, he's so... It was the yeah. irony was so fucking perfect, man. Yeah, Chode, what up, Chode? He's like, what's up, man? <laughs> it is funny, too, with like people that like don't know particular words or phrases that are general, generally pretty common, yeah. and then you hit them with that, and they're like, yeah, dude, what's up? And you're like, Okay. <laughs> That's how nicknames are made, though. All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, anything else you want to say? No, I just appreciate you, you know. You want to tell me them why you thought the Holocaust was fake? I'm going to get people that are like, yo, dude, what is going on with you now? I'm, no. Uh, I just want to thank you for, you know, having me on. Uh, it's a cool experience. Obviously, never gotten to a podcast before. Something, again, just like, uh, the MMA training always wanted to do never pulled the trigger on it so it's cool did you uh, like it? yeah it was fun yeah. um, 
Way easier than you thought, huh? Well, I just didn't think I was an interesting person. But like I said, you do a great job, you know, uh, Thank you. continuing conversation and starting topics and, and transferring from one topic to the other, transitioning. Uh, shout out, you know, English. But no, I, you know, I appreciate it. It was fun and, you know, maybe some, somewhere down the road. We'll, we'll do, do it again, again in the year for sure. Love you. Thanks guys. Later. Damn. Hour 36. <laughs>